One Week Season. Inner Circle fam, welcome to the postseason edition of the Tuesday Inner Circle podcast being recorded on Thursday, being put live on Thursday. We never did come up with a good name for this podcast, but here we are, end of the season, and maybe we'll have a good name next year. So I wanted to... I'm going to try to keep this to about 30 minutes. Of course, as always, you guys are in the future, so you already know whether or not I successfully kept this to 30 minutes. But there's not a lot that I want to cover, but there are some key things. And so as always, I'll kind of cover the core things I wanted to cover, and we'll go down some rabbit trails as opportunities open to make sure that we explore these topics thoroughly without a lot of fluff, and we'll see where we end up. As always, throw this baby on 1.5x speed if you want to, and let's get started. So the first thing I want to talk about, we want to kind of focus on... So originally, this wasn't in the plans, doing this postseason podcast. I think it might have ended up coming together regardless, just because it's fun to touch on some end-of-season thoughts and valuable to do so. But then we, I didn't have an Inner Circle podcast uh, in week 17 because of how sick I was. And so we wanted to tack this on to the end of the season. So uh, first thing is, we probably have fewer of you listening than normal because we're no longer in season. And second thing is, for those of you who are listening, how much of this are you actually going to remember? So right now, if you're listening to this, that means you're probably playing playoff DFS, and you're still in the throes of DFS thinking. But I think back to kind of every year around maybe September, October, I end up going back through some weeks from the previous season. And I'll go through like week 14, 15, 16, where those those points in the season where salary is tighter and there are injuries and, and wars of attrition. And we have these random players playing prominent roles on teams. And I'll go back through those weeks and look at my notes and look at my rosters. And it's like, I played this guy on my main roster. We talked about him on the site throughout the week. He was an industry discussion point. And I don't even really remember who this player is. Some random fill-in wide receiver who's in a number two role, but is normally a number five wide receiver or fourth string running back who's stepping into a, a large touch role. And you would think that from spending a full week with that player and talking about that player and dealing with deciding whether or not to put that player on a roster and then the aftermath of that decision after Sunday, did they succeed? Did they do poorly? You would think that through all of that, you would remember that player. But because that player only shows up one time, maybe two times, you tend to completely forget about that player. I found that this is especially the case with quarterbacks. Maybe not a quarterback that I end up playing on a roster, but a quarterback who ends up filling in deeper into the season. Those week 13, 14, 15, 16 quarterbacks. A lot of times we have no recollection a year or two later that these random quarterbacks started games on those random weeks. So I say that to say two things. One, one of the most valuable ways to listen to these podcasts is with notebook and, and pen 
or have your phone notes open or a note open on your computer or however you want to track thoughts. If you can have some sort of DFS document on your computer where you kind of have a thought spill area that's not organized, but you just kind of put in current thoughts that you're having, things that you're hearing, so on and so forth. And then you can start developing categories from there. Now, everybody's mind works differently. The way I organize things well is typically just basic notes, notebooks, phone notes, computer documents, whatever. Maybe you're better with spreadsheets and you want to do things that way, or you see things through some sort of app that you can download and organize things that way. But keeping your thoughts organized, your DFS thoughts organized can be so valuable. So have this, the way I would do it is I would have a document and I would just kind of be like a scratch sheet at the top. And then below that, I would have all the different categories, you know, cash games, large field GPPs, small field GPPs, single entry, mindset, so on and so forth, dealing with a bad week, right? And you just have all these little categories. And then as you fill up that scratch section at the top, Eventually, you can kind of come through and sort those into the categories below, build new categories as new categories show up and so on and so forth. And that kind of gives you an opportunity to easily go back and reference things from your DFS journey. Remember things that you might otherwise have forgotten. This can be extremely valuable for courses as well. If you pick up marketplace courses, which I know since you guys as Inner Circle members have a 30% discount. So I know a lot of you have been kind of mining inner, or mining marketplace this year and picking up courses and diving into extra training in there. And a lot of those things can be kind of, quote, in one ear and out the other. But the second reason I want to bring that up is because I want to focus on what you can be doing in the offseason to be a better DFS player next year. Now, there's different levels of commitment to DFS kind of across the board, right? Like some of us are, hey, I want to find a way to do this for a full-time living, kind of get a foot in the door in the industry, whether I'm playing and providing content or just playing or playing and then using that money to kind of make money in other places. And others of us is like, hey, this is something I enjoy doing six to eight hours a week during football season. And it's some nice extra money in pocket when I win. And even if I'm not winning right now, I know that I'm playing in such a way that over time, it's going to be some nice extra money in pocket. And so in season, when we we talk about how to apply our time in season, there's a lot of different ways we could talk about that, speaking to a lot of different individuals. But in the off-season, there's really not that much that we need to be doing in order to be preparing and improving for the next football season. And it's stuff that literally any of us can be doing. So one of the things that we've, we've talked about this before, just kind of briefly touched on this, but from a standpoint of how our minds work and psychology... If we see something one time, two times, it doesn't tend to make a big impact on us. And this is why advertisers will run the same ad over and over and over again throughout the entire course of a football season, right? Like Budweiser will have their three or four ads and they just run those same ads all football season. And every company kind of does the same thing because seeing those over and over again is where the message starts to really get in. You know, you've heard me talk about going back and listening to my podcasts after I record them. I would say 80% of weeks since I started doing the the round table with Levitan and Hefe into the square table, which is Levitan and myself, and then into the angles pod with the solo pod. I would say 80% of weeks across all those years, which is what, six years now, I have listened to, listened back to my Friday podcast. And part of that is a desire to provide a good product for you guys and kind of spot ways that I can improve in my podcasting for you guys. But a larger part of that 
is wanting to hear back what I said, not just about players, but about strategies, about DFS techniques, about DFS theory, because rehearing those things helps me further internalize them, helps helps make it easier for me to put those things into action. Mike Johnson was texting me last week and talking to you guys, most of you know that Mike is a high school basketball coach as well. And he was talking about basically, you know, this was his first year writing all this content for OWS. And he was saying once he got to basketball season and he had family plus basketball plus OWS content work plus DFS, he said his DFS play wasn't nearly as sharp. And he said one of the things that could have helped him was just reading his articles and taking his own advice because he said that after the weeks would end, he would go back and kind of read what he had written and been like, well, why didn't I listen to myself? Why didn't I play this guy? Why didn't I approach things this way? I ran into that myself the week that Tyler Huntley had his first start and OWS accounted for most of the Tyler Huntley ownership in tournaments. And I ended up not pulling the trigger on Tyler Huntley myself, even though I had spent two or three days talking up all the reasons why he was such a sharp play. And so there's this element of you need to consistently pour in the information, the messaging, the knowledge in order for those things to really take deep root. If you hear something one time, it's often just in one ear and out the other. Maybe you grab one little 3% snippet of it. But if you hear it a second time, maybe that 3% turns into 5%. You hear it a third time and it turns into 8%. You hear it a fourth time, it turns into 15%. And then things start to really take root, right? Now you're at 20%, 20%, 25%, 30%, 50%, where you start to really grasp the things that you're hearing. So this is part of the reason why I think a lot of you have also seen you've been on OWS since 2018 or 2019. And obviously we've expanded the amount of training stuff that we've done, but we've seen a lot of our OWS community members really hitting their stride as DFS players over the last couple years, 2020, 2021. We've had some huge wins from longtime OWS members because you get to keep getting that messaging in you and keep remembering these things and, and putting it all together. So one of the things that I would encourage you to do in the off season is recognize that all of these inner circle pods are still here. You throw these on one and a half X speed and it's maybe 14, 15, 16 hours throughout the off season. You could start in June, you could start in July and every week listen to a couple hours. And by the time the season kicks off, you have refreshed all of this information. You've also optimally been taking notes on this and sorting this into your sheet so that when you come to a place where, hey, I'm I'm stuck right now. Like I've had points in the past where I've been unable to see a slate in a unique way and I just start texting Cubs fan and I'm like, hey, talk to me about this slate because that kind of jolts my mind out of the rut in which I am seeing things and allows me to see things in from a different angle, in a different way. And so you can get stuck in a rut as a DFS player and then you've got these notes and you can say, okay, well, I've been playing poorly in single entry, or maybe you have a category that says playing fearlessly, and you've got 14 or 15 notes there from 15 or 16 different podcasts, and you can go through and read and say, okay, here's a thought I'm playing fearlessly. Okay, this is something that triggers something in my mind and allows me to take greater risks. Here's something that allows me to recognize that if I lose, I will be disappointed at the end of Sunday if I didn't take risks, whereas if I lose because I took these risks, I will be satisfied with what I did at the end of Sunday. And so kind of tying all of this together to where you're saying, okay, I've got a note sheet and this isn't intense stuff. This is like, hey, I am going to open a document on my computer. I am going to listen to 15 hours worth of podcast across a two month span leading up to the season. I'm going to drop some notes in there so that when the season starts, I am 
a couple steps ahead of my competition, three or four steps ahead of my competition. I am that much more equipped to play good DFS than my competition. We always talk about DFS is small edges, and this is one of the ways to take advantage of those small edges. Remember that these things, hearing them once is great, but hearing them twice is that much better. Hearing them a third time, a fourth time is that much better. Now, again, we touch on a lot of the same things throughout the weeks, throughout the season. So you're going to hear things multiple times, but give yourself that opportunity to really drill this stuff in. So that's one step on how you can be improving as a DFS player as you head into this next season. The next step I want to throw out there is if you don't play other DFS sports, now if you do play other DFS sports, one of the things that you'll find, people talk about this all the time, is all the stuff that you're going to learn during NFL season, it applies 80% of it applies to other sports. 90% of it applies to other sports. And so you can take these DFS theory thoughts and apply them to your NBA play, your MLB play, your PGA play, so on and so forth. But if you don't play other sports, I would recommend playing some other sports in June, in July, in August, as we head into the NFL season. Dedicate a very small amount of bankroll, an amount of bankroll to where money lost would not be a concern. Where you're not playing to win money, and I think that's one of the things that we run into in DFS is one of the sharpest ways to get better is to be able to play fearlessly with an amount of money that you don't mind losing. So if you typically play a hundred bucks a weekend, well, what would it feel like to put five bucks in play, but still put in the same amount of attention to detail and time and effort, right? Well, if you are losing that five bucks, you don't care because you're used to being willing to lose a hundred bucks. And it's kind of one of our gravitational tendencies is the types of people who play DFS is we do tend to want to push our comfort level on buy-ins a little bit farther than we should or right up to that edge to where we think we're playing with an amount that we're like, oh yeah, well, I don't mind losing this. But then when we lose it, we're frustrated, not just about the loss, because then that takes us out of this process-minded thinking that we want to be in. We think that we're just frustrated about oh, well, we didn't play well, but then you can look at it from a process standpoint. And you're like, oh, I actually played well. What I was frustrated about was losing that hundred bucks. Well, would that be the case if you lost $5? So the problem with NFL is we get these limited number of weekends, these limited number of slates. And so once, once we get to NFL season, we want to be putting in kind of pushing that line and putting in the max amount that we're comfortable putting in we trip into that thinking, that faulty thinking where it's like, well, I don't want to put in only $5 this weekend and then have a big weekend and be like, well, what if? Well, that's a bit like saying, oh, well, this if this team had scored this touchdown instead of this holding on the play, and then said they got a 10-yard penalty, but it would have been a touchdown, and this whole game would have shifted. And then you look at the play, and you're like, well, the guy wouldn't have scored the touchdown without the holding in place, right? The guy had to hold that defender in order for the touchdown to be scored. And so it's it's a moot point. It's not even an argument. It's not even a conversation because the entire game would have played out differently. Same thing applies to DFS. If you have a great weekend with $5 and you're used to playing 100 bucks, well, you were probably playing a little bit differently because you were playing with just $5. You were able to take a few more risks. You were able to be a bit more fearless. You were able to attack first place a little bit more aggressively. And so one of the ways that we can kind of maneuver around this situation where 
yes, playing with a little bit less is actually valuable to us from a training perspective, from a getting better at DFS perspective. And yet we tend to not want to do that once we get to NFL season because we have a limited number of slates. Well, one of the ways to work around that is to play with a smaller amount in a different sport. And it kind of forces you to say, look, especially optimally, you don't even know a ton about that sport. Like if you don't play MLB DFS, you might know your team or you might know some of the star players, but you might not know all the individual players out there. That's great because now you get to practice what we talk about where we say, hey, look, you can actually just use DFS theory, run projections, look at ownership projections, you got to read some stuff about MLB to understand how stacks work and how how you should put those together and so on and so forth. But once you've got those basics in hand, you can basically just play with DFS theory and say, okay, well, this team has a Vegas implied total of seven and a half runs. This team has a Vegas implied total of six runs. And these guys on the seven and a half team are projected at 20, 25% ownership across the board. These guys on the six team are projected at three or 4% ownership across the board. Well, let me stack this team with a six, with six runs implied. Or this team, I've seen them put up 10 runs, 12 runs, 15 runs against good pitchers because they just have a dynamic offense. And maybe it doesn't happen until the fifth or sixth or seventh inning, but they put up runs in good spots. And now everybody's off them because they're facing a tough pitcher. But what if this tough pitcher has an off day? Or what if they run this pitcher out by the fifth inning and they get to the bullpen and nobody's on this stack. And so we kind of start to get an opportunity to say, let me just play around with the theory of this. It's similar to what I talk about with the flash drafts, the in-game drafts on DraftKings, where during the first quarter, you're drafting for the second quarter. During the second quarter, you're drafting for the third quarter. It just gets you so much practice at DFS theory in real time. And so any practice that you can get, in fact, I think it was Gunslinger, maybe it was Stats ATL on the podcast last week, talked about playing the flash drafts and how much better he got at DFS from playing those flash drafts. So again, anything that you can find that allows you to risk a little bit less money, worry less about the money risked and the money that you can potentially make, and more just say, hey, this is a practice session. This is a practice session. Let me put things into play. Let me be fearless. Let me be willing to make mistakes. Because here's the thing. If DFS is a small margins game, which it is, then once you get to NFL season, you want to be hitting your stride. If you're putting in your normal amount of bankroll, your standard bankroll, you want to already be hitting your stride. You can't afford to be messing around with things and trying to learn things in real time during NFL season because every weekend where you're not putting great play fourth is a weekend where you're kind of wrecking your edge a little bit because, yeah, you're going to have these other weekends where you do put good play forth, but these other ones are lowering your average that much more to where it becomes that much more difficult to beat the good players and beat the rake and be profitable when it's all said and done. So any place where you can say, okay, I'm putting in less money and this is just practice. I'm used to risking hundred bucks. I'll risk three bucks. I'll risk five bucks because that basically buys you 20 slates, 25 slates, 30 slates that you can kind of let these numbers play out and work through some things versus just putting that hundred bucks in play and learning things during an NFL season. So that is the second thing, very DFS specific that I wanted to touch on is giving yourself an opportunity to play some other sports in order to put some of this stuff into action. So recapping so far, we've got 
organizing your notes in some way and coming up with some sort of note-taking structure, even if it's just sort of bullet points and thoughts so that you can remember these things. Going back and listening to these Inner Circle podcasts during the off-season, probably leading up to the NFL season, and then playing some other DFS sports that can allow you to put some of this stuff into action, into practice, and kind of get your feet under you uh, so that by the time the NFL season rolls around, you are already hitting your stride. Okay, so the next thing I want to talk about is keeping up with the NFL. You don't need to be deep in the NFL. Now, if you're playing best ball throughout the offseason, if you're like Todd from PA and you're going to start doing best ball as soon as the Super Bowl is done and you're going to be doing that all throughout the offseason, then obviously you want to be keeping up with all the teams and have that deeper level of knowledge. But the main goal, if you're if you're kind of building toward DFS, the main goal is to have that deeper level of NFL knowledge and team knowledge by the time we're heading into the season. So there are three very simple ways that I see to do this. One, read the Roto World app every day. I talk about this all the time. I would guess that by this point, a lot of you have started to do this over the years. But to those of you who have heard me say this over and over again over the years and have still not started doing this, that's a strong recommendation. It's actually called NBC Sports Edge powered by Roto World now. I think that's the name of the app. But player blurbs, all the key player blurbs. And again, uh, Roto World, the blurbs themselves are not as sharp and insightful as when Levitan and Silva were kind of bringing Roto World up and running the show there. But it's still extremely valuable because you have this kind of, it's almost like you're outsourcing to this team of people to be finding all the most valuable tidbits from all the beat writers and all the main NFL writers across the NFL. And they're going to give you the most valuable tidbits and information with a write-up for it. It's so valuable to just grab that information over time. We talk about accumulated knowledge over time. You can pick up so much about these teams, these coaches, these players throughout the offseason just by spending five, 10 minutes a day flipping through the Roto World app, or you can just condense it all on one day of the week. And again, as we're in the off season, it doesn't take that much time. So you set aside Sunday afternoon, you sit down for 45 minutes and you read through the last week's blurbs and just catch up on everything. That way you have your feet under you by the time we get to August, by the time news is coming out faster and we're starting to understand more about how these teams are coming together, these players are coming together, what the coaches are doing, what the coaches are saying, so on and so forth. The next thing is the way I do it is... Uh, I've talked about this is I subscribe to the athletic, which is, uh, I think 60 bucks a year, five bucks a month, but it's also, you can typically find discounts and even free memberships from like people who have a membership, but the athletic is an easy way to follow beat writers from all the teams. Other ways to do it is to find a good beat writer list. I think Majestic actually has a good beat writer list. Uh, there are others who have a good beat writer list. O- the OWS account on Twitter might actually have a good beat writer list. But the reason I like The Athletic is because I can just set all 32 teams as my favorite teams, plus the NFL as my favorite team or favorite league. And then my home feed is just the most recent article from every single NFL team. So I don't read every article in The Athletic, but what I do is I spend two, three hours a week during the offseason, just kind of flipping through, looking at the headlines, and then in places where it seems like I might be able to find some interesting information, something that's more than just a puff piece, I will dive in. There are actually some really great beat writers on The Athletic who break down 
team's offensive philosophies and strategies. The uh, uh, I won't try to recall names off the top of my head here, but uh, one of the Bills beat writers, one of the Cowboys beat writers, one of the Chiefs beat writers do deep dives into their team's offenses and offensive philosophies and uh, how the plays are structured and why they work and why certain things didn't work. And other beat writers obviously are diving into the ins and outs of the roster, the offense, the defense, the team philosophy, the coaching staff, and so on and so forth. And so those little things where you're just finding, okay, here's some deeper knowledge information on this spot. Here's some deeper knowledge, knowledge information on this player, on this team, and so on and so forth. It can help so much by the time you get to the season. The next thing is, as you get closer to the season, start actually researching and trying to find specific answers to specific questions. So one of the toughest things about, let's look at preparing for an NFL slate. If you're preparing for week 13, if you just try to sit down and think through all the games from a macro level off the top of your head, you're going to have a hard time kind of getting into the zone, getting into that flow state where you're really in there asking questions, answering questions, thinking critically about a team, a game, a situation, and so on and so forth. And what you often need is what I call an entry point. You need something that kind of pulls you in and you're interested in it and you're thinking about this specific thing. And then that leads to other questions, which leads to other thoughts, which leads to other questions. And you can kind of start moving through a game. So one of the ways to do that in in season in the NFL is reading the NFL edge. As you're reading the NFL edge, it brings up questions. It forces, if you're reading it actively, if you're paying attention and focusing and, and reading it critically, it forces you to ask questions. How do I feel about this player? How do I feel about this spot? Let me come up with my initial player pool. How do I think through this game myself? The other way to do it is building rosters. And this is why I like to build so many practice rosters throughout the week is because I can ask questions. I can get a sense of how these different pieces come together. Together, how I could build around this game, what might happen in this game. So as I'm building, as I'm looking at X quarterback, rather than just saying, oh, I don't like this guy. I don't like this team. I don't like this spot. Instead, I ask myself, how could this guy succeed? What could happen that this guy could have a good game? Okay, now I have to think through that and I and I can come up with the ways that basically any player can have a good game. But as I come from game one to game two to game three to game four, I can start seeing, okay, well, this quarterback from game one, it was really tough to come up with a way that he could have a good game. This quarterback from game three it was actually a little bit easier than I think most people are going to realize. And there are clearer paths to this guy having a good game than most people think. Well, then that launches into new questions, new points that you want to research. Well, what does this defense do? How does this defense try to stop this offense? What is this offense specifically good at? How do these teams match up? How might this game play out? What does a opposing coach like to do? And what does that mean for this game if this game starts out a certain way and kind of leads through these questions very naturally and organically? So instead of you sitting down and saying, okay, I'm going to figure out this game and then I'm going to figure out this game and then I'm going to figure out this game, it kind of pushes you through the questions organically and leads you to much more valuable questions. Okay, so preparing for the season, one of the best ways to do that is to start doing best ball drafts. You can even just do, you know, $3 best ball drafts in 12 person leagues. You're not risking that much money. You probably are playing with plus EV mindset and thoughts and information. And so you're going to make a little bit of money over time. But also what it does is you've got a draft that's going to go for 45 minutes. And while you're waiting to be back on the clock, you're looking at the next set of players. 
And you start asking questions about these players instead of just saying, oh yeah, well, I like this guy. Oh yeah, this guy is, his ADP is wrong, right? He should be being drafted higher. He should be being drafted lower. Instead, you can start asking those questions, forcing yourself to think through those spots. Why is this guy being drafted where he's being drafted? Do I think that he could be drafted higher? How could he be drafted higher next year than he's being drafted this year? What would that mean in terms of his role, the way that this team is using him? And then that forces you to start saying, okay, well, what is this player's strengths? What is this coach talking about? What is this team likely to do? And again, it kind of gives you these organic entry points and starts pushing you through the right questions and answers and allowing you to have a better sense of how you see things yourself. So again, as you get closer to the season, so throughout the offseason, I would say keep up with the Roto World app. Occasionally read beat writers, just have a sense of, of the deeper things being said about different teams, players, and so on and so forth. And again, it's not for me, it's never about, oh, I need to know all 32 of these teams at this deep level and read all, read all these things every day. For me, it's about how much more accumulated knowledge can I gain? Where can I find an article where it says, oh, this might actually be worth my time to read this whole thing and learn about this individual player or this coach or this team or this team's philosophy and so on and so forth. And then again, as we get closer to the season, doing those best ball drafts, or you could even just do mock drafts for, for season long fantasy, but it forces you to ask questions about these players and to start diving into these individual players, these individual teams, these coaches, these different spots, and gain knowledge that will help you as we head into the season. As you do this, one of the most important things to do is to also think about the NFL media cycle and the need for headlines. So think about Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase in August was struggling with drops, and it was a big story, and his ADP was dropping in best ball and probably in season long as well. And you go back through his history, and it's like, this guy's never had a problem with drops. And what are the chances that this is going to persist throughout the entirety of the season instead of just being a big news story for a couple of weeks that gets clicks on these articles? People tend to overrate. Ramondre Stevenson had a big preseason game. All of a sudden, his ADP dropped from undrafted. I was the only person drafting him in the 18th round, and I could always wait until the 18th round to get him. And I was doing that because I was getting just Patriots backfield. It was like, I'm going to draft Damian Harris in the 80s or 90s. I'm going to draft Sony Michelle in the 17th round. I'm going to draft Ramondre. I'm going to draft James White in the 15th. Sony Michelle in the 17th, and Ramondre Stevenson in the 18th. All these guys are always there. I can always get them, and then I just have the whole Patriots backfield every week. I know that I'm probably getting points from these players. Then Ramondre Stevenson has a couple of big runs in his first preseason action and his ADP jumps to like the 16th round. And then people think they're being sneaky and getting him. So then they start seeing other people getting him in the 16th round. They start trying to snipe him in the 15th round. And then he has another nice preseason showing and all of a sudden he's being drafted regularly several rounds earlier than he was being drafted before. Marquez Calloway, I had like 30% Marquez Calloway exposure in best ball, and it was all from 17th, 18th round picks. And by the time I was wrapping up my best ball drafting, Calloway was going in the 10th, 11th round 
consistently. And so when, when you can start paying attention to these places where other people are overreacting to things, we see it all the time in DFS, right? We have, we get the Kadarius Tony week and then the next week everybody jumps on him. We get the Michael Carter week and then the next week everybody jumps on him. Whereas we often say if we miss those weeks, it's like, hey, we missed these weeks. Unless it's a special situation like Deontay Johnson when he was so underpriced and 2020 or Josh Allen in 2018, unless it's a special situation like that, you kind of say, hey, look, we missed the big week and we'll let everybody else chase this week. We assess it. And unless it's very clear that this is a new role or something that's going to continue, we move on and we let other people chase it. And so similar with best ball and with these late season bits of news or late off season bits of news, let other people overreact to those and keep a level head and say, okay, big picture. What's the story here? Big picture. What has actually changed? And so let other people react to the small picture and you get in the habit of reacting to the bigger picture, which obviously helps you in your best ball drafts, helps you in your season-long drafts, but also helps you mindset-wise as you enter the regular season and start playing weekly DFS because it gives you a better sense of which players you actually want to be on, which players you actually want to avoid, and get you in that big picture mindset in terms of your play and saying, let's be process-oriented. Am I playing well? As long as I'm playing well, I don't need to worry. I don't need to change things. Let's just keep playing well. And then the last thing I'll hit on, so we've hit on some stuff that we can do for DFS to get better. We've hit on some stuff that we can do with in regards to the NFL itself to be better prepared next season. And then the last thing is just that, and, and if you're here on OWS, if you're in Inner Circle, you probably vibe with this message that we talk about a lot as far as kind of taking control of your life and being process-oriented and finding ways to improve yourself and your own life kind of day in and day out. But I want to really encourage you this off-season to find ways to get one day better each day. One of the things that I like to do, especially if I'm in a rut, is I like to start rating my days, R-A-T-I-N-G, rating or grading my days. And basically be able to see, and it it can be an arbitrary scale. It can be a one to 10 scale. It can be a one to 100 scale. What I actually do is uh, I do a one to 100 scale, but I assume that my max is about 80. And so if I have a day where it's just over and above and I'm maximum effort and I'm not wearing down, I might give myself like an 83, 84, 85, but I kind of just start out at like a 77 to an 80. And if I make some mistakes throughout the day, if I kind of lose control of my emotions, if I lose control of my schedule and start doing things that are just time wasting instead of paying me back in my future and so on and so forth, I start deducting points for that. And so at the end of the day, I can kind of say, okay, if I feel like my starting point is about a 77 to an 80, where did I end up? Some days are 55s, some days are 62s, some days are 83s, and then I can kind of start seeing, okay, over time, I was getting a bunch of days that were 60s, and then I started getting a bunch of days that were 70s, and now I'm consistently in the high 70s, low 80s, and you can kind of get a sense from that of how you've been doing, where you've been improving, and how much control you have over your days. So finding some sort of grading scale for yourself to where you can say, you know what, My goal is to be in a different place next year than I am right now. My goal is to be in a different place five years from now than where I am right now. How do I do that? Well, the first thing I I can do is get one day better every single day. And it's kind of a vague and and arbitrary thing to say, I'm going to get one day better every single day, unless you also find a way to 
solidify that in some sort of quantifiable structure. So again, some sort of grading scale, some sort of way where you can actually track it and say, I'm going to push myself to be proud at the end of each day, at the end of each day of the grade that I'm able to give myself. I am going to put myself in position to be able to look back two weeks from now and see, wow, I had 12, 13, 14 consecutive really good days. Let me keep that going. And those little things where we can just get right. We talk so much about process and, and big picture mindset, right? Like think big, think five years, 10 years down the road, and then think small, think one day at a time, one week at a time. And if you can start doing that, you'll start finding that you're gaining a lot more ground than you were ever gaining before by just kind of floating through the days. And so one of those things that it, obviously, we, as we talk about a lot, one of the great things about DFS is it doesn't just, it, it's not just DFS. It's not just the fun of playing DFS, the enjoyment of playing DFS, the challenge of playing DFS, but it's also that DFS helps us so much in so many areas of life. And one of the ways that we can gain an edge in other areas of life through the things that we learn and and know in DFS is by taking this mindset of saying, okay, let me get one day better at a time and let me see how much ground I can gain in life. And as you start doing that, you'll find as you come to the next NFL season that you're in a much better place, you're in a much better headspace, and you're able to put a lot of these things that you know in DFS into action in a much better way, because in a way, it kind of minimizes DFS in your life. It takes some of the pressure off of DFS so that it's not the only thing you're thinking about, but you're also thinking about how am I gaining ground in life as a whole. And that allows you to put DFS into perspective, dedicate the focus and attention that you want to DFS, but also at the end of the day, at the end of Sunday, the results come in and you're able to separate that from everything else, whether good or bad, right? A great day, great. You had an awesome day. A bad day, fine. Did you play well? Good. Move on to the next week. And that kind of bigger picture mindset where you're gaining ground in life as a whole can help you so much in putting DFS in perspective, which also helps you to play better at DFS. So that is going to do it for kind of my thoughts on some of the things that we can be doing in the off season to improve. I don't know what I'm going going to be doing on the site in the off season at this point. We've got some calls this week to figure out kind of when we want to start rolling best ball stuff out, what we want to be doing with that and kind of what I'm going to be focused on. But um, I'm sure I will see you on the site somewhat throughout the off season. I will see you on the site a little bit throughout the playoffs and I will see you at the top of the leaderboards throughout the playoff DFS slates. And I will see you at the top of the leaderboards when we get to week one next year, after you have put in a good off season of work and gotten ready for the 2022 season. As always, thanks for hanging out. Always a pleasure. Always an honor. I will see you guys on the site. I'll see you guys soon.